1: Welcome back, y'all. This is Season 2, Episode 6 of Aggie Hoops Weekly, and while we would love to ring in the new year with a discussion of our big winning streak heading into conference play, we can't do that because Texas Southern whipped us at home. We'll talk about how that game alters our perception, how we stack up an SEC play, and most importantly, whether we think we can regain our winning form in a world where we're now facing twice a week SEC opposition. Let's roll.
0: Welcome back. Aggie Hoops Weekly is back from its holiday hiatus. I'm Blake, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy David. And this holiday break started out really well, and then things came crashing down there right at the end. So we've got a lot to talk about this week, David.
1: We do, and happy holidays to to you and yours. The, uh, The primary emotion that I'm feeling right now is I'm thankful. I'm thankful for family and friends, and I'm also thankful that we did not record... Prior to December 29th, because I, I I don't know what I would have said. Uh, my level of optimism, the the level of cohesiveness with the entire Aggie basketball fan base was feeling heading into that Texas Southern game, coming off of our five game winning streak, people were feeling legitimately good about what we might become heading into SEC play. And I'm just glad I don't have the things that I would have said on tape because it would have felt I would have felt really dumb, like really dumb in hey. it. Yeah.
0: A pre-December 29th episode would have been ripe material for Cold Takes Exposed. So, oh, gosh. So, oh, yeah, man. this would have been quite a, quite a disaster if we had recorded before that date.
1: Right. And so, obviously, we'll, we'll break this down in more detail over, over the coming 20 to 30 minutes. But, yeah, we're, I'm in a different place now than I was prior to December 29th because Texas Southern walked into our building. They smoked us in a game that really wasn't that close, and now we're all left wondering the exact same question which is who are we are we the team that won five straight and was the game against texas southern just a blip or are we the team that lost four straight and was this five game run against somewhat lesser opposition was that the outlier and is this substandard product who we actually are i don't know i don't think you know hopefully we can come to a consensus here by the time we log off but that's the question that has me shook right now it's it's really a struggle
0: yeah so with that being said, I think let's jump back let's rewind the tape a little bit and let's go back to the Oregon State game and pick up where we had last left off with the trip to the to Portland for the damn city classic
1: Of course and and this is the game like this is the game that actually truly did start the optimism right the five game winning streak that we had it wasn't just paycheck games it wasn't just easy sub standard. Conference or team, it wasn't just teams from substandard conferences coming to Reed Arena to play paycheck games. We went on the road and we beat a Power Five school. I'm, I won't sit here and tell you that Oregon State is projected to finish near the top of the Pac 12, nor will I tell you that the Pac 12 is a particularly good Power Five or, in the case of college basketball, a Power Six conference. But they're solid. They can play. And we were playing in Portland, Oregon, about 100 miles from their campus. We played well against Oregon State. Uh, we kept They, they have the uh, the Thompson Twins, and we kept uh, Steven in, in check. We He was really a non-factor. I think he had a couple of points late and otherwise didn't really account for much. But uh, the, what I want to say about this game is that we didn't really... I don't mean to imply that we went out and took it. We didn't grab this game by the scruff of the neck coming down the stretch and pull it from Morgan State. What we did was almost as important. We didn't make as many mistakes coming down the stretch. It was that sort of game where neither team was really playing particularly sharp, particularly well heading into the latter portion of the second half, and we made fewer mistakes. And for a team that was three and four up to that point that had lost to every team they played with a pulse just to come out of a hostile environment to play somewhat stable basketball down the stretch and to get a win. I mean, I, the weight the weight lifted off of my shoulders watching that game, I felt, okay, now, now we've got a chance to turn into something here uh, heading, heading into the latter part of December. So that was, that was a good win. And then I'll lump these next two together, Blake Valparaiso and Marshall. That was us just beating the pants off of teams that their respective programs from lower conferences. It's the sort of game you expect to win. But it's not the sort of game, especially in the current climate of college basketball, it's not the sort of game where you expect to just run people off the floor immediately. And in the case of uh, Valparaiso, we smoked them from the word go. I know Marshall hung around for a little bit. Uh, we smoked Valparaiso from the word go. I think it was 20-5 in that game. Marshall, I think, took leads of like 23-20 and even like 30-28, something like that. We kind of put them away in the second half. But neither of these games were in doubt with... 15 minutes left in the second half and it was in that context of at that point we'd had five straight wins two home wins against solid opposition two home wins against lesser opposition and then that that semi road game uh, in Oregon that's when we felt uh, great Blake and that's when Texas Southern came calling and just blew us off the floor and that's what's got me in a funk and that's what we're gonna have to discuss at length because the part of this that was the most frustrating thing is that it wasn't really that close. The only lead we had in this game was 4-3 and we never led beyond that point. And it was the sort of thing where maybe we had started reading our press clippings, maybe we felt a little too safe coming into that game, but we always just had this air of we'll turn it on when we need it. Like as Texas Southern, we'll be fine. And we don't have the talent to play like that this year or to carry that kind of mentality because as the game pushed into the early portion of the second half, I think Texas Southern had a 15 point or a 14 point lead at the break. They came out and immediately pushed it up to 18 or 19. And I just never really saw a switch flip. We never really, the sense of urgency never kicked in. We just carried that same air, that same will be fine mentality. Um, Even as the lead dwindled to 12 or 10 with a few minutes remaining, I still didn't see the, the type of aggressive trapping and pressing that I would have expected to see particularly as we have discussed in earlier episodes uh, that we, we tend to thrive in chaos and that that's one of the agents we can use in our advantage if the regular offensive sets aren't working we never really did any of that um and before we knew it they were shooting free throws to close out the game and texas southern had an 88 to 73 victory in our building so that's the rundown that's the holiday rundown how do you feel about everything
0: well the optimism was so high coming out of those the first three games that we discussed you felt like things were turning around. And there's a big reason for that. And and it's really the shooting. So in the in the three games, the first three games you mentioned, Oregon State, Valparaiso, and Marshall, across those three games, A&M was shooting 48% from the field. As we had discussed, that was the big issue with A&M to this point, was could we hit shots? Could we knock down open jumpers? And this even goes back to the 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 two games against Northwestern State and South Alabama those those were also great shooting games for the Aggies so you had a nice run where you felt like okay maybe this team has turned the corner they figured out how to hit shots getting back home has done them a world of good we knew that that stretch going to Washington and going to Vancouver was going to be a tough stretch. That was a long time to be away from home, out of your own gym. It was nice to get some home cooking, nice to get back and get in your routine and get into a gym where you felt comfortable. And then that Texas Southern game was such it was such an abomination. Like you said, I, by the time you look up, Texas Southern is, is shooting free throws to ice the game and, and, and it looks like it's just about done. You know credit to Texas Southern they shot the lights out and A they was, did they played well we just didn't look like we had an answer for that uh, we didn't see a lot of pressure uh, on on the perimeter getting a hand in people's face it seemed like we were just content to let them shoot from the outside and Texas Southern let's 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 talk a, for a minute about Texas Southern okay so if we're gonna try to find some optimism in this this was Texas Southern's third win over a power five power six school they beat Baylor in their season opener and then they beat Oregon in Eugene so that's they have gone into three power six teams and and beat them in their own gym on what is supposed to be a cupcake, you know, paycheck game. However, they have a almost 30 point loss at Gonzaga, they have a 12 point loss to Iowa State, they've also lost to the likes of Arizona State, they've lost to Georgia, um, they've lost to Tulane, Lamar. So this is a this is a, a team that it's really hard to get a read on them. You know they, I think that they're one of those schools that that can play up to the level of their competition and if you don't take them seriously, they will beat you. And, and I think that's what we saw here. Now this is this is someone that those who have been following Aggie basketball for a while, this program is led by Johnny Jones. Johnny, if you don't remember, Johnny was the head coach. At LSU,
1: ironically, ironically, the the joke about Johnny Jones is that he was the one SEC game a year where we felt confident that we had a strategy and tactics advantage on the sideline. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and apparently not anymore. But I got a quick question for you. Uh, it's just a, a, a fun twenty-two point loss that I want to discuss that Texas Southern had on the road at Evansville. Uh, I'll Venmo you. I'll Venmo you five dollars right now if you can tell me where Evansville is. Where is Evansville? Like, In what time- is what? What is Evansville?
0: Evansville, I believe, is a school in Indiana. Is that right?
1: Well, shit, you're not supposed to know it. Yes, got it. <laughs> so they are. They're a school. in there's school in Evansville. They're in the Missouri Valley Conference. But it just it, it's a way to and it's it's a way to underscore exactly what you're talking about. These guys have been blitzed by teams that aren't that good he- heading into this game. So, uh, and I want to touch on this. I think right now is as good a spot as any. I felt. I felt like my intelligence was being insulted a little bit when I heard the, the clips coming out of our post game press conferences. We made, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between tipping your cap to Texas Southern and making them sound like a very, very good basketball team. And what I mean by that is the players, the coaches, they all talked about it's a senior laden team. They talked about, how effective of a program Jones is building and talked about the, the other scalps they've claimed in D1, all of that. But then Kennedy had a line that said, we're going to be playing a lot of teams like Texas Southern in the SEC. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you are not. <laughs> you're that going to be playing a lot better false. teams. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And, and that line turned me off a little bit because we are not going to be playing teams like Texas Southern in the SEC, not by a long shot. Every team we play in the SEC is going to be significantly better, which is why you and I had such a problem with this loss and why we're freaking out heading into conference play. So I don't mean to dig too deep on something that's ultimately not on-court material, but I, I didn't like that after this game.
0: Sure. And I, I think that this... And this is something that you and I had texted about a few days ago. It's hard to know where where what is the true identity of Aggie basketball. Is it a situation where... Is Texas a the team that opened the season one and four against solid competition, happens to do well against lesser foes, but when we play the big boys, we're going to get crushed. Are we a team that finally started to put together a nice run, started to get some shots to fall, looked better, started taking care of the better basketball, started taking better care of the basketball, and, and looked like solid competition that may be able to squeak out seven, eight wins in conference play
1: this year? So let's let's break that down. I think there's there's a few different ways to to approach that answer. Go ahead. I, I, you had more, but
0: no, no. I I think that I think that if we're the if we are the former, the thing that scares me about that, and this is the sky is falling perspective, that that Texas Southern loss reeks of. I will I will put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It reeks of the two thousand three, two thousand four season which if you don't for those of you who don't know was the infamous Owen 16/ slash Owen 17 when you throw in the conference tournament campaign, which was what got Melvin Watkins fired. Uh, that was a team that came in and, and you thought, okay, there's some decent talent here. We had Antoine Wright, we had uh, Andy Slocum who was a seven footer in his big in his senior season. he wasn't a great big man, but you felt like he was serviceable. it featured a freshman AC law. Uh, Bobby Leach was a junior. They, you know, there were some there were some guys on that team that were that that came in to to later be solid players for Texas A and M, and that team laid an absolute egg for an entire season, pretty much. Um, right there were there were some games in that season where you just felt like, man, this is not a good look. This is not you know this doesn't bode well. And I think that that's a lot of what we what you what you could take, you could extrapolate those same findings from this year.
1: Right. And I don't want to continue this discussion too much longer because discussion of basketball played 15 years ago is probably not what the people tuned in for. But I will say this, uh, Ken Palm goes back to 02. So I've got the 04 schedule pulled up right now. In the non-conference play in 04, we generally handled our business against the true dregs, so that wasn't an 0-28 season we did win uh, it looks like we were 7-4 and four at the end of our non-conference stretch we lost to just about everyone with a pulse we also lost to AM Corpus Christi but we beat pretty much everybody above the Ken Palm 250 world so we won every paycheck game we played some of which by a significant margin so we had enough talent to do that back then we have enough talent to do that now that's a fair question it's a fair question that's all I'll say the the advanced metrics back up your assertion that there are similarities between the two i just pulled that up now and got an answer that was a little more hurtful than i would have expected <laughs> <I> was <laughs> you were hoping to be reassured
0: particularly... you were hoping to be reassured and 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 yet come away once again feeling that that is what what is really going to happen so yeah you're yeah. you're questioning what's what's going to happen in in the near future so um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be interesting to see what this team does if if they can, can if they can right the ship. Maybe it's a good wake up call. Maybe Texas Southern is a good wake up call to say, "Hey, look, you can't take these things for granted. Uh, you're going to have to come in and put in the effort and and work to get these wins."
1: My concern for the start of SEC play comes in three parts. So I'm going to describe this next piece. We can we can consider this the transition to the to the larger concerns, because I want to talk about what I think were the three things we were doing well heading into this Texas 7 game. So what had we leveraged in order to build the optimism, to build the 5-0 and run? Uh, and when you hear me talk about the optimism and the consensus, I want to make a quick note here. Uh, the Tech A G S basketball board, which I, I don't frequent very often anymore, but I had someone alert me to a thread that was posted uh, after the Marshall win. That was two things you never see on the Tech Sags basketball board, which is positivity and consensus. It was a thread full of people who were just generally pleased at the fact that we'd gone from one and four to six and four, people buying into the fact that, you know, whatever they thought about Kennedy, that the kids appeared to be giving a crap again and playing really hard and shooting well. Uh, and it was, you know, that's what got me excited, seeing people actually kind of get on board with the start of conference play. That's what this Texas Southern game kind of shit upon was not <laughs> that was that groundswell of, of positivity. But anyway, so here's the things, Blake, that I thought we were doing well in that five-game winning streak, and I want you to assess the likelihood of these things continuing in SEC play. So what I'm going to start with is our advantage down low. And I don't mean in terms of personnel or any particular player, but the numbers back this up. Our offensive rebounding rate, the, the offensive rebounding rate per Ken Palm is is measured as... Uh, it's the offensive rebounding percentage as a measure of the possible rebounds that are gathered by the offense. So our offensive rebounding rate is 37.4, good for 17th in the country. It really wow. is outstanding. Yeah, that it's is very, very good. Uh, and what's more, we have... I'm trying to look for our offensive rebounding. So Mekawulu is 8th in the country individually wow. with 16.6, and Nebo is 32nd in the country, 14.8. So... We've got guys playing very well down low. You tell me, how do you think our our play down low will track uh, in the SEC?
0: I think that's been the one bright spot and let's step back uh, an episode or two. We talked about the the departure of Isaiah JC and one of the things that really concerned us there was depth. What yeah. what happens when you're down to really two big men? Uh, we we played John Walker down low, but he's really he's not a big man. He's, he's more of a, a stretch player. So, you know, you had Mekaulu, you have Nebo, and that's it. There's nobody else walking through that door to come help you down low. And so we talked about, are these guys going to get dominated on the boards? They've done a really nice job, as your statistics indicate there. And the other thing that we were concerned with was foul trouble. What happens when one or both guys get into foul trouble? Across these last several games, these both Mekawulu and Nebo... Have done a very nice job staying out of foul trouble. Mekwulu has surprisingly has been the one that's picked up a few more fouls. He had four fouls against Oregon State, but actually in that game ended up playing twenty one minutes. So you know that's a pretty solid contribution. Nebo had the other nineteen, so that balances out for your your forty minute big man rotation. In the, the next few over the next few games, uh, the the guys combined for I think a total of four fouls across both players. <laughs> And yeah then, i mean and it then, really has been good and then Mekwulu fouled out against texas southern now texas southern had a seven footer so who was who was putting you know creating some creating some matchup issues down low but all in all based on style of play and the way the especially on the defensive end i would have expected josh nebo to be the 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 liability from a foul perspective um and he's he's done a remarkable job of keeping himself out of foul trouble. He's still effective in blocking shots. He's still he's he's not getting quite the same number of blocks. I think that he knows that he doesn't have the same latitude to go chasing shots as he did before when mm-hmm. you had JC on the bench. However, he is still pretty effective at, at at finding and tracking down some shots. He had three blocks, I think, against Valparaiso, one against uh one against Marshall, one against Texas Southern. So, I mean, he he's still effective. He,
1: so, and you're, you're selling my man short a little bit. I just want to heap some more praise on him, if if I may, really quickly. Uh, there's a stat that tracks your blocks as a function of how many defensive possessions you play. It's called block percentage. Right. So it's not just how many blocks do you have. It's a block. It's block. It's all, It's effectively right. block per possession. Block shots per oppo- per opposition's two point attempts. Right. He's second in the country in that metric. Absolutely. I mean he's and, he's and, phenomenal. In terms and, of a rim protector, he's been phenomenal.
0: I don't mean to undersell him. The only reason I I temper that a little bit is because he is only playing twenty minutes a game. That's right. that's the that's the downside of this is you don't have the bandwidth to play him thirty minutes a game so that, that you know so that you can increase those number of blocks. Because by those metrics that you're that you're showing there, if you put him in you know, if you put him in another 10 minutes a game, his block numbers are going to increase. This is not a, an anomaly at this point. So I think that this lack of depth has, has hindered your your ability to play him in extended stretches so that he can have the same defensive impact. That's the only reason I kind of temper my optimism on Nebo. I am thoroughly impressed with his game. I love watching him play on the defensive end. And he's actually played pretty well offensively too. Both of those guys have shown really, really nice stretches on the offensive end of the floor, so I think that you know that's really a a solid reason to be optimistic about am's outlook for for conference play.
1: okay, good, so yeah, I was about to tie it I was about to tie it together because I'm with you. they've been great so do you think we can expect plus play it sounds like it sounds like you're you're on board with of the three the first of the three positive signs we saw coming down the stretch in December, you think that can continue in SEC play.
0: Absolutely. I think that that's, that's the certainty among those three, is that you will continue to see good play from your big men.
1: So let's talk outside shooting now, because the opening six games of, of the regular season saw us fall to literally, uh, at our worst, we were seven spots from dead last in Division One in three-point shooting. There are over 360 teams in D1, so just to place that in context, and we were at one point we were worse than just about all of them. We did hit our stride some, and Blake, I'm proud to tell you that at one point we did climb out of the cellar and we entered the top 300. I'll have you know, hey. in three point shooting, uh, and that went back down after the game against Texas Southern. But Aww. we saw some things we liked. Right, we saw Mayhan had a had a stretch where he hit 10 of 16 threes. We saw chuck mitchell established himself as someone who if his feet are set it's going in uh, and then another thing that i liked which i haven't seen talked about that much and that we unfortunately had to go away from against texas southern in the game against marshall we didn't shoot that many threes if you check yeah. out that box score oh, yeah. we, i think it was four or five four eleven something like that that's the best our offense has looked all year when we didn't rely on bombing away from the outside Go figure, Blake. Your offense looks good when you don't rely on the thing you're terrible at. Uh, crazy concepts, <laughs> what I know, a concept, but it right. actually appeared to work for us. Uh, there were some things there that I liked. Right, the spacing, uh, the fact that if we had two people who couldn't be left alone, that the you know, one feeds the other, right? One gets the other. Now we found more room for the big guys inside. Now Starks had guys closing out. Like there was just we were able to leverage all of these things into a more cohesive offensive attack. It all fell apart against Texas Southern question i have for you is which of the 2 AMs do you foresee uh, wh- who's the real a&m who's going to stand up as the type of offense we're going to bring into sec play do you think the efficiency we saw in the winning streak can carry the day or did the game against texas southern show us who we really are
0: i think that the answer lies somewhere in the middle and i, I i'm going to reserve this For for later, but I think that the answer lies somewhere in the middle. I do want to I do want to counteract your your argument for the Texas shooting Texas Southern shooting percentage. A and M shot forty seven percent in that game. They shot thirty two percent from behind the line. That's not terrible compared to what we were seeing in in the beginning of the season, where A and M was shooting twenty percent from behind the arc and shooting lucky to hit forty percent for the for the entire game. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad shooting performance. I think that the issue against Texas Southern was that you had a couple of players who were really effective shooting the ball in Starks and Mitchell, and then the rest of the team went ice cold, and especially Mayhan. Mayhan's a guy, I think that what you're going to see, as goes Brandon Mayhan, so goes Texas A&M.
1: Yep, I think it's that simple too. I, I really do.
0: If you have a if you have a credible outside threat, he is going to open up the offense for everyone else. If he is not hitting from the outside, you're going to be able to isolate. You know, you're going to be able to isolate the other players and, and keep things pretty balanced on, from a defensive perspective. Other teams are going to be able to shut down Starks, keep a hand in Mitchell's face. You know, play play a little easier on Meckowulu and Nebo inside and, and minimize the damage.
1: One other note on Mayhan what sets him apart from the rest of our roster even during his 10 of 16 run those aren't spot up shots we were running him off screens these were contested feet moving not always launching from the right angle i mean he was hitting tough shots and we were running he plays really for him uh, he's the only he's literally the only guy we have on the roster who can do that who can come around a screen with with a defender hot on his tail and rise and fire you know knowing that if he's a split second late it's getting swatted he's the only guy we can run plays for like that Perhaps that's a function of what went wrong against Texas Southern as well, is that we continue to do that. It stopped working. We had to go away from it. And uh, when you add that to the fact that they played the tight zone we discussed earlier, the whole thing kind of fell apart. So, yeah, it's not realistic of us to expect that from him every week, but I do agree with you that we need it from him every week. So my personal vote is that this is one we may not be able to rely upon on a game-to-game basis uh, in, in the conference world.
0: I would tend to agree there. I would yeah. certainly agree.
1: So we're one-on-one. Let's go to the big number three, which is the rotation. Uh, Not just the rotation, but the fact that we have only eight guys getting minutes. And even with only those eight guys getting minutes, we were still getting a huge plus from the three off the bench. And we were routinely outscoring the bench of our opposition. There's two things I want to discuss here. Part one, do you think our bench is good by SEC standards? And part two is... Can we survive the grind with only eight guys getting on the court?
0: This is the biggest factor that troubles me, I think, in terms of the your rotation not having that depth, having only eight guys. The to to Kennedy's credit, he does a really nice job of balancing out the minutes. Texas Southern notwithstanding, I think with Texas Southern, you had Mitchell on the floor for thirty four minutes and Savion on the flag, or Savion on the floor for thirty seven. So Mm -hmm. that was problematic, but really that was the only game in this stretch where you saw guys getting absurdly high numbers of minutes. The most you would see from, from everyone else in the other games was 30 minutes. So I I felt good about what we had done with the rotation. We had actually managed that fairly well and had kept things pretty balanced, which is what you want to see. It's a hard thing to do with eight guys. You know, you can't, you can't mess around because you leave somebody out there and all of a sudden you look up and he's put out 35 minutes and you know, he's, he's, it's going to have an impact on the future games because, because in conference play, these games, you're playing a consistent two games a week. They come fast and furious and it is harder for the body to recover. And that's going to play back into that factor earlier that we were talking about shooting. When your legs are tired, what's the first thing that goes your shooting percentage. So Keeping guys fresh and playing that rotation and keeping everything's balanced—that's going to be critical to to the success of the team, especially when it comes to shooting.
1: I'm with you. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to to make a hard call on whether I think it's something we can keep up with for the for the duration of the year. What I will say is this: is even in our optimistic view of the season, we talked about how this team meshed with some of the the CBI team, the NIT team, teams that had the ability to win games and compete if all things held equal, if there's no suspensions, if there's no injuries. And even those teams still faltered down the stretch because of due to many of the things you just talked about. Um, And that was the optimistic side, right? That was me saying when I was pitching to you how we could go eight and 10 or nine and nine in the sec, it was, it was (laughs) through those goggles of if no one gets hurt, we've got, we've got uh, a roster that can win games at home. My concern is that, the Texas Southern game and some of the other things that we have discussed have dropped that ceiling down from you know eight or nine conference wins to five or six. And again, that's if everything goes right in terms of day-to-day roster management, uh, which in the Billy Kennedy world is, is far from a certainty. So I'm going to have to go no on this. I don't think... Our man rotation is going to stand the test of time. I don't think our bench is going to definitively outplay the second unit of some of our opposition like they have in in some of the games in November and December. We need the big guys to play perfect, not get in foul trouble, and give us thirty to thirty five minutes a game twice a week for nine weeks. So this seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? That's, that's, that's yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds
0: that sounds like we could we could easily pull that off, right? Everybody does that.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know, man. I'm. I would be surprised if, uh, and we can shift now towards some brief Arkansas thoughts, but really uh, I want to talk about the Arkansas game in the context of our opening nine games. I would be surprised if we escape the dreaded opening night of the SEC tournament. So for those unfamiliar, if you finish in the bottom four of the SEC, you play in the opening night, so then they can get the tournament down from 14 to 12 and then play it kind of your traditional four-day tournament beyond that point. Uh, I think Blake. I think we're playing on opening night. I don't see. Oh, yeah, I don't see a world where we finish tenth in the conference, let alone. You know, we we can, we can talk about how how close we are to the cellar, but I think I think we're playing on opening night. Oh yeah,
0: I think we're playing on opening night. I think, I think realistically, what you're looking at is the ceiling for this team right now is seven conference wins. Yeah, I think and, you know, what,
1: and I, I and I would take it. And I, so <laughs> I'd say, if you offered it to me, I would take it. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. And I will say this. I think that the truth lies somewhere in the middle. a and is not a good team, obviously. I don't think they're a terrible team. I think they are inconsistent. And they are horribly inconsistent. Man, or, are they? Or, yeah. they're, or they're actually really good at being inconsistent, actually. They, they're really good at being inconsistent in that they can shoot the lights out some nights. And then some nights, nothing works the defensive energy can be there it can be solid it can be great and then sometimes it doesn't show up mm-hmm. the ability to take care of the ball sometimes it's there sometimes it's not so i i think that what you're seeing you're not going to see a team to my earlier point about you know the the team from 15 years ago i don't think you're going to see this team go over in conference play i don't think they have that in them i do think that they are going to sneak up and they're going to win some games because they are going to get they are going to have good nights they're going to be able to to shoot the ball well sometimes and they'll they'll do okay however i do think that they're going to struggle in quite a few of these games and they're going to falter down the stretch they'll be in a game and they're going to be in it, unable to close it out just like we saw against minnesota and against washington so i and, and even uc irvine in that case so I think you're going to you're going to see an inconsistent team and that's just what you should come to expect and the most trouble or the the most difficult and most infuriating part is you won't know when the inconsistent team shows up and when mm-hmm. they don't. So, you know, when does the when does the good Aggie basketball show up to play? Is it at home against Arkansas? I don't know, flip a coin and we'll find out.
1: So that's a great segue because the answer to that question of Will it be AM at home against Arkansas? The answer is it better be, because I want to talk about what that game presents in terms of the early parts of our SEC schedule. Uh, first things first, though, this is a gettable team by Arkansas standards. They're they're fine. They're a fine basketball team. They're nothing special. I see them at or maybe slightly below the middle of the conference relative to everybody else. Um, so many of the things that they are successful or so many other things that make them successful uh, are driven by their environment i love bud walton arena i love what it does for that team they play crazy fast they shoot they press everywhere uh or not that not that they shoot everyone shoots they shoot (laughs) they shoot threes like the first good shot they get they play at a crazy pace and that stadium lifts them at home and they can beat and often do beat just about everyone at home it doesn't play the same way on the road Uh, normally you can get arkansas in your building and especially this year that they haven't looked that great up to this point they're they're nine and three Uh, they lost to georgia tech and texas and western kentucky i would say their best win is a, a home win over indiana that was a good win but aside from that they appear to have loss to the teams that can play i see a lot of ken palm 125 and up in their in the list of of scalps they've claimed this year so this is this is a gettable game for us and it needs to be gettable because we are definitive underdogs in four of the next five after this game against arkansas so i'm going to run you through our opening six sec games real quick so we've got home arkansas away kentucky away alabama home auburn Home Missouri, away Florida. The only game Yikes. where we're remotely favored, aside from uh, we're barely favored against Arkansas, barely, and we are uh, perhaps even a little, a little more so against Missouri at home. But those other four, we are nowhere close. Here's where are against interesting, though. So let's let's presume it plays out the optimistic scenario, and we're two and four after our opening six. Then we have Kansas State, LSU, and Tennessee all at home. But all teams that are just definitively better than we are. So any path to success, any path to success comes with us beating just about everybody we can at home. So we've got we've got to start uh, on Saturday against Arkansas.
0: Absolutely, it and it's not going to get any easier, uh, as you mentioned. After those first six with, with LSU and Tennessee at home, yeah, good luck with that. And even K State. So I do agree. Any any modicum of success for this team has to start with a win on Saturday at home against Arkansas. Um, I think you know when you're looking at that ceiling of seven wins, you have to get this one, and and even then, that that threshold of five six wins, you really need to pick up this win against Arkansas because this is this is this is going to be one of the easier games you're going to get just because it's arkansas in your building as you talked about arkansas is always a tough outing in their place away from away from bud walton Nah, they're they're not quite as tough so i Mm -hmm. i think that i think that you know this is this isn't a prime opportunity for a&m to hopefully get off to a good start uh definitely a much better start than we saw last year in conference play so hopefully you know a&m can can at least get one under their belt and get a good feeling and not get so far behind the eight ball with three really tough games coming up after this, this matchup with Arkansas. Uh,
1: I don't want to harp on this too much, but every year it is the, your best chance to grab people's attention is in the immediate aftermath of bowl season. That's when the common fans going to tune in and say, let's see if we got anything on the basketball court this year. A loss to Arkansas puts us in dire straits of a, 0 and 4, 1 and 6, you know, the the sort of start where people are just not even going to follow you beyond the middle of January. You're looking, yeah, you're looking
0: at five to six, there's five to 6,000 people a game. If you, if you drop this one, it's, it gets ugly real quick.
1: Yeah, the, they backloaded our friendly, the the friendly part of our schedule comes late. (laughs) And so if we don't watch ourselves, uh, we, we might just not even be playing for anything by the time we get there. So let's see i know that's not the most optimistic way to send to ring in the new year but uh that tends to happen when a SWAC team comes in and smokes you by 15 right it's <laughs> oh, yeah. it can it can mess with your perception a bit so we'll talk after what is hopefully a home win against arkansas and we'll tee up uh what is probably our most difficult road trip of the year back-to-back games at kentucky at alabama i'll talk to you soon all right talk